Today on Blue 58, we've got three games under our belt, so how are the Packers doing? You've seen what they look like on the field, but let's turn to some familiar stats for a deeper investigation into this year's team. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you here for another episode. We're doing numbers talk this time around, but first I want to talk about a couple Packers roster moves. Tyler Lancaster is headed to the Packers' COVID list. No real big development there other than that we'll probably finally see a a good look of Jack Heflin uh, in the Packers' defense. Uh, He was active on Sunday but only played special teams. Now it looks like he'll probably get a shot, assuming that Lancaster is out at least for the short term here. Uh, The Packers are probably going to have to need another big body up front, and that is Heflin right now. So he's probably going to get some looks, which is good to see. It's always uh, nice to see a new player rotating in there, and I think a lot of people are intrigued to see what Heflin can do. Let's see it on Sunday. As a corresponding move, the Packers have signed tight end Tyler Davis to the roster, six foot four, two 252-pound prospect out of Georgia Tech. I think this is really your Jay Sternberger replacement as much as anything. The Packers are going with a more Sternberger type as Dominique Daphne is headed to injured reserve with his injuries there. I think it's an interesting move given what we've seen from Lafleur in terms of his preferences for that position over his now going on three years as the Packers head coach. With Davis not quite fitting that sort of H-back F mold that the Packers use in their offense, uh, Davis is an interesting an interesting choice. Uh, but a good athlete, 7.89 relative athletic score. Most of that is size-related, pretty good movement skills, though, 4.7240 yard dash, good but not great. A middling everywhere else, but he's a big, strong, tight end-looking dude and uh, adds another body for the Packers at that position. You can work with that. 6'4", 252 pounds with uh, some movement ability. Uh, you can figure out a place for a guy like that to get on the field. Uh, it just depends how he does when he's on the field, and I guess that was Sternberger's problem. Never really contributed when he was on the field. Now he's getting a chance to contribute somewhere else. Let's talk about numbers. These are not going to be box score stats. As you know, if you've been listening to the Power Sweep or to Blue 58 reading at thepowersweep.com for any amount of time, we do some some stats that I call semi-advanced stats. These are stats that take a little bit more work to produce uh, than just uh, looking at the box score, but uh, I think they give us a a deeper look into, into what the Packers are doing. And these are numbers that you're not going to find just anywhere. Uh, They are unique to us. We've, uh, work to develop them over a few seasons now, and I think they give an interesting look at what the uh, what the Packers are doing. We're just going to look at a few of them, but they should give us some insight into the overall state of the Packers right now. Some of them are still in progress. We're still uh, c- accumulating information on them, almost in an Adam Schefter sort of, sort of way, uh, but uh, we will give you updates on the rest of them when we have them. For right now, though, Let's talk about a few of the stats that we track at thepowersweep.com. Each and every one of these that we mentioned, except for the very last one, is one that you can view at thepowersweep.com. The reason for that is, well, I'll explain when we get there, but it's a it's a new stat for this year, something that we've worked on a little bit before, but we're bringing back in a new way uh, for 2021. But let's start by tracking something specific to Aaron Rodgers. I'm talking about the adjusted net yards per attempt tracker we have at thepowersweep.com. Why look at this number? I think it is the single best stat for evaluating quarterback performance. So one of the things that that bothers people about, I guess, really any stat in any sport is there's no real good way to just come up with one number that encapsulates how a player is playing. 
passer rating is supposed to be that, but it really isn't. It doesn't, it doesn't account for a lot of things. There is some double counting in there as well. And it, it doesn't account for things like, uh, like sacks in a meaningful way. It doesn't really look at the totality of a player's performance. ESPN's quarterback rating, total QBR, does get to a more total look at quarterback performance. But there's a big problem with that. It's a black box stat. By that, I mean you can't know for sure how they're calculating the numbers that you're seeing. So that leaves us with adjusted net yards per attempt. Why is this stat good? It's good because it accounts for almost every single part of a quarterback's performance. Yards, touchdowns, interceptions, pass attempts, and sacks. Basically, it's measuring how effective a quarterback is every time he's dropping back to throw the ball. Is he producing touchdowns? He gets a boost from that. Is he producing interceptions? He gets bumped down for that. Is he getting sacks? He gets bumped down for that too. What we've done at thepowersweep.com is track this over time and broken it down into rolling averages over four, eight, and 16-game chunks. Now, the 16-game one looks a little bit funny now because the the season is now 17 games long, but I, I like using it that way um, because it, it shows us over about a season length of time how is a given player performing. And one of the really interesting things about this number is looking at Rodgers over 16-game chunks. Over his last 16 games, Rodgers' adjusted net yards per attempt is 8.45. That would be at or near the league lead in um, in just about every given season. And it's right there with uh, any of the elite seasons in Rodgers' career. Took a bit of a bump downward with a, a real stinker in week one, but still, overall, um, he's he's doing pretty darn good. Uh, not a lot of complaints there for Rodgers. Looking at a smaller fraction of this, this particular numbers, uh, this particular number, Aaron Rodgers' um, adjusted net yards per attempt over his last four games is 8.23. And the reason that I call that one out in particular is it's it's the first time in almost 100 games uh, that he's had a four-game stretch where he's at or above eight. He's uh, He's really turned it around here um, in the Lafleur era in Green Bay, especially 2020 into 2021. It might have been tempting to really jump off um, where he was in 2018, 2019 and say, well, even though he's, there are some signs of improvement there, it's still not great, it's still not back to his MVP caliber, caliber performance. But now... I think we can see that Rodgers is well and truly back to where he was. And you can compare where he was uh, to the present day uh, at thepowersweep.com. There is a, a stat that Lara page that looks at this stat in particular there. So I would recommend going, checking, going and checking that one out. Next stat I wanted to mention that we track behind the scenes at thepowersweep.com is uh, the ball hawk index. What is a ball hawk? I got to go back to junior high football here. Seventh grade, eighth grade football. Good old Coach Washington, the Cedar Grove Broncos, Cedar Grove Belgium Broncos. Got to be specific there. That's going to be a reference that like three people really get, but that's okay. Uh, Cedar Grove Belgium Broncos was the youth football team that I played for. And Coach Washington had a cup of coffee in the NFL and somehow ended up in small rural Wisconsin coaching junior high players in the finer points of uh, a great game. Uh, Used to rail on us about two things, ball security 
and uh, getting the ball away from other guys. He figured that if he had to constantly remind us to take care of the ball, well, those guys that we were playing week in and week out on the other side probably had to be reminded of the same thing too. So he wanted us to look at every opportunity to get our hands on the ball. And whenever he started this spiel, he would hold up a football and say some version of, I'm not even going to try to mimic his accent, though he had a great accent though. Uh, Fellas, the game is about this. This is the football. That's why we call the game football, because it's all about the football. Making plays on the football, this is John talking, not Coach Washington, making plays on the football is is what the game is all about. You're either putting the football in the end zone, or the other guys are stopping you from doing that, often by doing things like making plays on the football. So the ball hawk index, we have to give some credit to um, to legendary beat reporter Bob McGinn for coming up with this stat, but he, he d- d- defined a ball hawk as any play on the ball. So what does that mean? That means passes defensed, interceptions, fumbles forced, and sacks. Making plays on the ball on different points of the field. So far in 2021, the Packers are not doing a really good job of making plays on the ball. They are well behind their pace for 2020. Through three games in 2021, they have just 14 ball hawks scattered among a few different guys. In 2021, or in 2020, they had 20. And I think most of that can be explained by sacks. The Packers really haven't gotten to the quarterback all that well so far um, in 2021. I think we all know that. And I think as this turns around, as they're able, able to make more plays on the ball, their overall defensive performance is going to going to improve, and uh, they're going to improve in this area as well. also want to point out that generally, Dating back to the start of the, the Rodgers era, well, I guess a little bit later than that, to 2009, uh, that's as far back as my database goes, plays on the ball have been trending down. So in 2009, the Packers made 175 plays on the ball. They had 175 ball hawks as a team. In 2020, or 2019, let's say 2019, they, the last year they had a defense that really felt elite at times. Uh, it's the first year of the the, the Smiths being around. Uh, it's where Mike Pettin's defense really hit its stride at times. That year, they only had 144, 30 less. And if you look at the chart overall, it tends to be trending down. And I would bet, without having looked at the league-wide numbers on this, but I would bet that league-wide plays on the ball by the defense are trending downward. And I think that's because... Um, the rules continue to f- to favor the offense. It's just harder and harder to put yourself in a position as a defender to make a play on the ball. You're going to get called for illegal contact. You're going to get called for holding. It's harder than ever to sack the quarterback because of how and where you have to hit them. It's just tough. And I think though the Packers are behind where they used to be, though they were behind where they were in 2020, that doesn't necessarily mean that if they don't get back to those ultra-elite levels, 2009, 2010, that they're doing badly. I just think it's a state of the league as a whole sort of thing. The Packers don't get a chance to make as many plays on the ball on defense because nobody really does anymore. Maybe that changes. Maybe it won't. I would bet on on it won't uh, here over the next few years. Back to the offensive side of the ball. Let's talk about explosive plays. Look, I'm not even going to try to get around my own copy on this one because I think I explained it pretty well at thepowersweep.com. Again, you can see all of these numbers there. Moving the ball is good. Moving the ball in big chunks is better. 
offensive efficiency in the NFL boils down to how quickly you can move the ball, how efficiently you can move the ball, which is going to let you score more efficiently and score more often. The best way to move the ball efficiently down the field is to do it in big chunks at a time or explosive plays. Due to some internal research by the Green Bay Packers, we use some numbers that are going to sound a little bit odd here uh, in terms of tracking explosive plays. But for our purposes, explosive plays are categorized as run plays of 12 or more yards and pass plays of 16 or more yards. You can read the full ex- explanation uh, on why that is at thepowersweep.com. But basically, it boils down to some internal research by uh, former Packers employee Mike Ayers, who is on the Packers staff from 2001 to 2014, and did some work behind the scenes on some early analytics stuff that basically gave some insight into, into moving the ball. So far in 2021, the Packers have not done a great job of producing explosive plays. Through three games, they've got just 16, which is well behind where they were last year, where they had 29 through their first three games. Uh, Devontae Adams, as you might expect, leads the way for the Packers with seven explosive plays through three games. The next closest, though, is Aaron Jones with two, and nobody else has more than two on the entire Packers roster. That's a bit of a problem, and I think we can answer why that's a bit of a problem and why that problem might be be occurring uh, as we look at our final stat here. And this is going to be a two-part look at this number because we've got to start with a question uh, from Discord user Magic Hobo. He writes, or she, we don't know, uh, hey, John, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on A.J. Dillon so far this season. After losing Jamal Williams this offseason, I was hopeful that a two, year two A.J. Dillon would be seeing more touches by now, contributing more yardage overall, but especially as a short yardage threat. Have these three games just not called for his skill set? Is his skill set too narrow? Are his beautifully massive quads not translating to on-field performance? Or is it too soon to evaluate any of this? Very good question. Let me put your mind at ease. I don't think that the problem has to do with his beautifully massive quads. The quads are great. Uh, They are going to be utilized well at some point this season. But uh, yeah, it's been a tough start to the year for A.J. Dillon. And I don't think it's his fault. Sure, he hasn't been super effective when he's gotten to touch the ball, but he hasn't gotten to touch it all that much. He's only got 19 touches through three games this year. And they haven't been in areas that you would think are really conducive to his skill set. So as our friend Magic Hobo touches on there, you look at A.J. Dillon, you see short yardage back for sure. Big guy, heavy guy, powerful runner. But the Packers don't use him in short yardage situations. He's got 15 carries so far this year, but only four of those 15 come in non-10 yards to go situations. So first and 10 or second and 10. Only one of those four carries came with less than four yards to go. It was a second and one. They just don't use him in short yardage situations. It seems like there would have been an optimal time this last week. You've got fourth and one deep in the 49ers territory, and the Packers are bound and determined to go for it. And instead, they run some single read pass play that ends up looking abysmal because of a bad snap. Why not just hand it to the big guy? and let him do what he does, jackhammer away, you're getting some push up front, why not try it? If you can't get a yard when you need a yard, you've got some bigger questions about your offense. But I think the second part of this is that while Dylan hasn't been super effective in the touches that he is getting, the real issue is that he's just not getting that many touches. In fact, nobody outside of Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones really is. 
That's why I want to resurrect a stat that we used to track and not talk about all that much, but did have running behind the scenes for most of the history of the power sweep up until last year, usage rate. Usage rate is a stat I've carried over from basketball, from the National Basketball Association specifically. And I figure it's a good stat for us to look at because it gives us a better way to evaluate how often a guy is getting his hands on the ball relative to the rest of the team. Usage rate in basketball tracks how often a guy uses his team's possession. And there's multiple ways that you can do that. You can take a shot, you can turn the ball over, you can get to the free throw line. Each of those counts as using a possession. And a guy like Russell Westbrook, for example, a, a, what would, what would be the appropriate term? A ball heavy, ball dominant point guard often ended up using more than a third of his team's possessions until, you know, relatively recently in his career. The offense ran through Russell Westbrook and he used a lot of those plays, took a lot of shots, uh, turned the ball over fairly frequently, but got to the free throw line a lot. James Harden, another guy, high usage rate, takes a lot of shots, gets to the free throw line a lot. It seems to me like it's an appropriate thing to do to look at that in football as well. How often are specific guys being used within the confines of their offense? So to get a look at that, here's how we're going to track it this year. We're going to look at two players versus the rest of the Packers team. We're going to look at Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and everybody else. How does their usage track up, stack up against the rest of the Packers' offense? What does it mean then to use a play? I've got to boil down to three things. Uh, you can be sacked, just to get the quarterback in there. Uh, you can be handed the ball on a running play, or you can be targeted in the passing game. There are a couple other things that you can throw in there. Not going to worry about that. We're going to try to keep it as simply as possible. Simple as possible. So, through three weeks, how are the Packers using Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones? Well, in week one, both Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones used seven plays. Seven each of the Packers' 57 overall offensive plays. That works out to 12.28 or 12.28%. They use 12.2% of the Packers' plays on offense, both of them a little less than a quarter of their offensive plays together. The rest of the team uh, got 35 or had 35 plays that fell into one of those three categories, sacks, rushes, or targets. But the next two weeks, when the Packers have played significantly better on offense, their offense has been Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and everybody else just kind of picking up the scraps. In week two, Adams and Jones accounted for 32 of the Packers' 65 offensive plays, a little over 49%. In week three, Jones and Adams accounted for 39 of the Packers' 63 plays, a little over 61%, almost 62%. The offense is running through these two guys, and you can understand why. They're really good, but I think that can get to be a problem at a certain point. I don't know if the Packers are at that point yet, but this is why we're going to track that. Are the Packers more effective when they just run their offense through these two guys? It's Aaron Rodgers throwing it to Devontae Adams and occasionally handing it off to Aaron Jones, or do they end up being better when they spread it out or spread it around a little bit more? We'll track that this year. Uh, we'll let you know what we find out, uh, and we're excited to, to bring you that information this season. Just as an interesting sort of side note, I took a look at how Devontae Adams has stacked up through three weeks versus a couple record-setting receivers. So through three games... Uh, Devontae Adams has been targeted seven times, nine times, and 18 times in week three. That's good for 12.2, 13.8, and 28.5% of his team's 
usage rate on offense. I wanted to compare that to Michael Thomas in 2019 when he set the NFL record for receptions in a season with 149, and 2012's Calvin Johnson, who set the NFL record for uh, receiving yards in a season with 1,900 and I think 64. I had the number and lost it. Through three games in 2019, Michael Thomas was making up a slightly bigger, but not all that much bigger portion of the, the Saints offense. He had been targeted 13, 13, and 7 times through three weeks. That's usage rates of 19.7, 20.6, and 12.5%. Adams is not far behind that pace. Interesting nugget to keep in the back of your mind. Calvin Johnson, incredibly, through three weeks, uh, was used actually slightly less, maybe considerably less than both uh, Thomas and Adams. Through three weeks, he had been targeted seven times, 12 times, and 12 times, good for 10.4, 18.7, and 12.5% of the Lions' uh, offensive plays. Interesting that he was that effective, put up that many yards, uh, despite not getting targeted quite as much as Thomas or Adams. Those are my semi-advanced stats so far. I've got more that I want to talk about at some point this year. We're still accumulating information on those. Talking about some pass rush stuff, some offensive line stuff. Um, but uh, that's what we've got. And um, I'm excited to continue to bring that to you this year. Check it out at thepowersweep.com. I do try to update those stats early in the week, every week. So I've got for you in this episode. Do appreciate listening in. I'm excited to bring you another preview this week. Packers taking on the Steelers this week. Uh, it's going to be a good game. And hope to have you there with us after the game, recapping it uh, as we start your week with hopefully another Packers win. If you enjoyed this episode, I appreciate it if you'd share it with somebody you think would enjoy it as well. It's going to help us grow the show and get more people into this conversation we're having about the Packers, which in turn is going to help everybody, me included, become a smarter Packers fan. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.